I'm so honoured to be here. And I actually, we're talking about worship. And um, I'm not a talented worshipper, but I have a worshipper's heart. I just don't sound as nice. And um, my brother does. He's, well, he's not here, but he's great. Um, but I do have the worshipper's heart. And I actually sometimes wonder if he kind of just shoved it onto me because all I ever do is listen to him. Um, and we're talking about we worship, like collectively and corporately. And um, I'm actually going to pray before I start. Is that okay? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much that you are just so faithful. I thank you, you are so good, God. I thank you that you are lifted high in this place. And I just ask that you come, that you soften hearts, that you open ears, and that you speak through us. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Um, Yeah, and so we're talking about we worship. And I kind of had to think about it for a second because I thought, well, there's also an I worship. There's a we worship, there's this collective, and then there's an I worship, and that's that personal, that private place. And I was reading up in, like, I was like, went mad old school. I went to Deuteronomy, guys. I'm totally wise. Um, And Deuteronomy 12, 4 to 6, the chapter title is actually the one place of worship. That's what the chapter's called. And it says, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. Does that not sound like the house of God? See, worship isn't simply the singing of songs. Worship is actually this. This is worship. Being this place, everything that's happened, celebrating together, celebrating our amazing leaders and everything, that's worship. That's doing it in the place that is called. It says, to this place you must go. There bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give, your freewill offerings and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. See, I love this scripture because it so clearly defines the aspects of worship the tithe, the singing, but this is all the kind of sacrificial worship. That's the picture that it painted for me. It's like, this is that private sacrificial surrendering on your knees in your room. And it's actually a hard place to get. When I came back to God after a particular season of my life, I could do the corporate worship. I could do this with you guys, but I'd go home and I was so uncomfortable. Like I was sitting there and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like no one's here to listen to me. I was like sitting in my room, like I can totally sing and pray, but and it was actually really uncomfortable for me. Um, and it reminded me of horses. If you don't know, I have a horse. So all my stories are horse related. Um, and actually when you want to take a horse out, they're herd animals. So unless you have a very strong bond with that horse, you actually need other horses around you. And you actually need all the other horses to go with you until you build that bond between the rider and the horse that you can actually take the horse out on your own. See, it actually starts with the we worship. It starts with us spurring each other on in this house. It starts with us building each other up in this house. That's why it's actually so important to get here. Even though you don't feel like I did not want to be here. When I was here, I was up the back. I was like furthest. I was first one out the door, last one in. I didn't want to be here. But coming again and coming again and coming again started to spur something. It actually awakened something in my spirit. My body didn't want to be here, but my spirit tasted something in this place and it wanted more of that. It wanted more of you guys. It wanted more of fellowship and it started to be harder to leave. And I started to go home and think, oh, I wonder if I can tap into that. I I wonder if I can, and that's where the I worship came, the sacred worship came. But can I talk to you in Deuteronomy, same chapter, it actually goes into verse seven. It says, there in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. That's the church. That's the we worship. See, the we worship is the fellowshipping and it's the connect group and it's the being one together. And that's where we revive our spirit and our soul. And that's where we find this 
this whole other God, this whole other fire. When I'm in my room worshipping, it's actually a different posture. It's actually this. This is me worshipping at home. It's a lot quieter. I'm actually very introverted. So it's actually me one-on-one with the friend. It's one-on-one with the Holy Spirit. And it says that in John 15, no, 14, verse 15, it says, I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. And that friend is the spirit of truth. That's what I'm doing in my private place is it's one-on-one with the Holy Spirit. It's DNMing, it's talking things out. It's figuring out this thing of life. But when I come into this place, that place goes on fire. When I come into this place, that place gets so much bigger and so much better because I'm in here and you guys are encouraging me and you're stirring me that I can get new levels. And then all of a sudden, this place here is actually feeding me and fueling me for this place here. It actually, they intertwine, they connect. It starts with one, it goes together and then it comes back. You can't have one without the other. You can't have an I worship without the we worship and you can't have the we without the I. We're connected. We're all together in this. And that is actually the image that Jesus paints when he, um, John 17, 20, he says, a prayer over us. So he's just prayed for the disciples, but then he prays for everyone else. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. In verse 23, it says, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as, I, even as you loved me. See, there's power in unity. There's power in complete unity. There's so much power in it that our God is actually united. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. There's something that happens when we unite together in this place in the name of His dwelling. That's the value of it. In um, Hebrews, I actually really like the author of Hebrews, don't know who it is, but he's actually really cranky and he's kind of frustrated with these believers. It's kind of like he's talking to believers that you've been Christians for ages and you're not getting it. That's like, I kind of felt like he was yelling at me a little bit. I was like, calm down, love you. Um, and, um, and he actually paints this beautiful picture of worship. So the author starts by talking about who Jesus is and literally walks them through baby steps. You're a child of God and goes through the baby steps to baby steps. And then it comes up to Hebrews 9 and it talks about the worship under grace. See, there was a shift in the law Under the law, worship was done in the tabernacle and it was the holy of holies and then the most holy place and only the high priest could enter. And actually in Exodus 24, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. See, when Jesus died, we didn't have to worship at a distance anymore. We didn't have to worship far away anymore. Moses didn't have to go alone anymore. We were united and we came into the holy place. See, to be united in this house is a blessing. It's actually a blessing by God. It's actually come under grace. See, in Hebrews 9, he repaints the picture because, again, they weren't getting it. And he says in verse 7, but only the high priest entered the inner room and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. It was such a limited worship. It was so limited. It was actually only sacrificial. It was actually a reminder of sins. There was such a limitation under that law. It says, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, which is our worship, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that was not made with human hands. 
And it says in Hebrews 10 verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. See, the tabernacle was a taste of the good thing that came. And that thing that came was when Jesus tore the veil and He tore the curtain when He died on the cross and we could come into the holy places. We could come in close together. And you know what? The first commandment that the Hebrews 10 author says to us in verse 19, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God. Let us together, let us come into this place. Let us not shrink back, but actually move forward into the holy places. There is such a power in the unity of worship. There is a power of being in the house of God. I actually went through a season where I was like, no, I'm still a Christian. I'm just not going to go to church right now because I don't like them. Like they're they're weird. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I really, I really want to. But you know, it's it doesn't work. You actually starve. You actually starve your spirit to be separate. Even those worshippers that worshipped at a distance had to stay together because they couldn't worship at a distance unless they were together. They couldn't do it alone. Only Moses could go ahead. And the only reason he could go ahead alone is because he was walking into the presence of God. That was the only reason he could do it. But other than that, they had to stay united. They had to stay united. We have to worship together. And we're not on the outside anymore. In Joshua 6, we see the power of worship because the walls of Jericho fell when all the army marched together. I wouldn't really call that worship. They didn't sound that great. I'm pretty sure a lot of them were off key. But in the unity of what they did, the walls of Jericho fell down. In Acts 2, they were all together in one place and that's where the Holy Spirit fell. It was not one man. It was not one person. It was not an individual. It was a collective unit. It was a collective body. My dad always preaches to me. We're a family unit. We have dinner together every night. We stand together because there's actually power in unity. There's actually power in being tied together like that, in being constantly connected and feeding in each other. In Hebrews 10, at the very end, he actually says this, verse 39, he says, we do not belong to those who shrink back. That's the identity that we wear. We do not belong to those who shrink back. It is so easy to shrink back away from worship because it is uncomfortable. It's a little bit awkward. It's a little bit weird. People outside don't get it. But can I tell you, there is so much grace and so much of a gift in the unity of worship at this altar, in the unity of coming to church and fellowshipping and connect group and next step. That is all worship and that is all connected. And there is so much power in that. And we are not those identified as those who shrink back, but those who have faith and are saved and live under that grace and live under that revelation. There is more for us. There is more for us when we come united. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at. And I don't know if it's hard to get to church on a Sunday. And I don't know if you feel alone in it. But can I tell you, we stand with you. We stand with you and we are united with you. And the more you come and the more you come and seek worship, can I tell you, it's going to get easier out there. Can I tell you, the more you come in here, if you look in Hebrews at verse 10, it actually says this. It says, and let us consider how, many, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can we spur each other up in this place, church? Amen. Amen. God is so good. Now, I have the privilege of giving a massive shout out to like the man version of me, but he's a bit happier and more melancholic. Chris Abbott. Oh, oh man. 
Wow, Britt, that was so fresh. Thank you. Thank you for the time, the energy, the effort you poured into getting a download from God so you could pull that out here. Yeah. And thanks, Pastor Hartley and Pastor Natalie. I, yeah, uh, what you said, I'm just going to tag off that. Yeah. Your parents, your parents might give you talents and, and they feed into who you are, but there's a space that you guys have created that allows us to do what God's calling us to. So we, we honor you here today. Man, so, man, I, I, you just went like from back in the old school, like you gave a bit of old school and I feel like then you brought it to today and I feel like I'm going to bring something today and into the future. And uh, I, I got stuck on pretty much like two verses, um, John 4, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me to John 4. And we're, gonna, we're talking about the story of the woman at the well and here's Jesus and he, he's tired from a trip and he comes up to Samaria. Now, Jews and Samaritans were not really that friendly. It was like, you know, that distant cousin that you sort of half related, but you just don't like him. The one with the squinty eye, that one. They're back there and, and he meets this woman and, he, and he's thirsty and he says, can I have a drink? And she says, who are you? You're a Jew. We don't talk, my friend. And he says, ma'am, if, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink of the living water. And she's all intrigued by this. She's like, the living water, man, I, I want some of that. I don't wanna have to stay here. So she was like ostracized by her community. She came in the middle of the day when no one else was around, so she didn't have to you know, have that uh, interaction with people. She was on the outskirts. She, her identity and who she was was um, framed by her journey and, and it was sad and was, she was removed. And here's Jesus talking with this woman and, and he just goes on and he talks about the, uh, uh, like, okay, you want this water? Well, call your husband here. And, and she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you know, well, um, yes, that's right. You don't have a husband. You, you've actually had five husbands and the person you're with right now, he's not your husband. And, and she's touched by this. She actually goes, oh, I sense you're a little bit prophetic. <laughs> yes, he is. He's God. Um, so <laughs> he gets this revelation. He gets this revelation that, uh, she gets this revelation that he's a prophetic. And then she asks this question about worship and she says, well, tell me this. We Samaritans, we worship at this mountain and the Jews, you guys say you have to worship at that mountain. And Jesus replies and he says, it's actually, the day is coming when it's not gonna matter whether you worship at that mountain or worship at this mountain it doesn't matter. And then we pick up in verse number 23, which I'm gonna read, because I just love what he has to say. He says, but the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth, that's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Mm. The, the story continues on from there and she's so touched by this meeting with Jesus that when the disciples return and she, she goes back to her community, this woman that was at the one point ostracized and trying to evade people was now so impacted by the moment and the encounter with Jesus and the revelation of who he is 
that uh, when she gets back to her community, all of a sudden she gets this understanding that he's the savior of the world. I need to tell people about him. I need to communicate to them. There's this man, his name is Jesus. You've got to come and see him. You've got to come and find him because he's going to revolutionize your world. He's going to rock it upside down. He's going to tell you about what's happening in your world and he's going to prophesy over you. I mean, it's big news for him. So today I want to talk about worship and worship is a progressive revelation. It grows, so let it grow. Everywhere we look, people are trying to define what things are, to understand fully something. I'm here today to break down the religious walls we've put up in our attempts to understand and define what worship is. Worship was never meant to be confined, it was meant to be released. Worship was never meant to be defined, it was meant to be discovered. We started in Deuteronomy with Pastor Britt. And we walked forward and now we hit Jesus in the Gospel of John and all of a sudden he releases this, this, this is true worship and he actually calls it out of this woman. He, he starts saying, hey, I've got living water for you. There's a true worshiper inside of you. Watch out what's gonna happen in your world. When you go back, you're gonna be changed. It doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter where you go. You're gonna be a brand new sort of worshiper. Just you watch and wait and see because I've got something for you. She was breaking free in that moment. And I love what Jesus says in that verse 23. He says, now is the time... He says, sorry, the, the time is coming, in fact, it has come. I'm going to ask Britt to come up with this prop that I've got, and just you can stand there. So the time is coming, it has in fact come, and I didn't understand, I'm like, God, Jesus, you, what are you saying, like trying to be like Yoda, you know, saying, well, what is that? It is coming, it has come, it is coming, it has come, I don't get it. And here it is, here's the... The picture that I've got, we're going to put that there and you're going to grab that cup. Okay, ready? So, you can hold a little bit higher, it's okay. Ready? So, when the Holy Spirit came, He filled us up. And then as He's going, every generation gets fuller and fuller. It's full, but it's not finished. It's full, but it's not finished. It's full, but it's not finished. So, here we are, understanding what true worship is. And we, people like to take that and then they move away from the bucket and they go, yeah, I've had enough of them. Move away from the stream and they think that that's the fullest revelation of what worship is. And they want to then create religious systems around that. But God's got, hey, I've got a whole lot more. I've got a whole lot more. I've got new colors coming. There's new understandings of worship. There's new colors. Look at this. There's new colors, guys. What is the true worship for today? What is God putting inside your heart to be creative and to be released into all that He's got for you? Don't be limited to the understanding of yesteryear. Don't be limited to what He's done in the past. While that's good and that's full and that's a total outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's still more, my friends. There's still more. There's still more. He wants to pour it out here today. That's the demonstration I have to understand what worship is. Ho! Oh, can we give it up for Jesus in this place? Don't be limited in thinking that we fully understand what worship is. Worship is a progressive revelation. It never stopped. He never stopped pouring out. He's pouring out right now. He's pouring out to you and he's calling you up and saying, hey, are you going to be a true worshiper? Our God. <laughs> 
Worship is a progressive revelation. It grows. The release of true worship that began with Jesus has continued to this day, and it will continue on far into the future. But who will be brave enough to break free and challenge the status quo? Who will press in and let the sound of worship that God is calling forth today be released? Jesus said the, the true worshipers will worship. It's now and it will come. The true worshipers will worship. The question is, what does that look like for this hour and this time? Who is willing to let go of the past paradigms and move into the new day of true worship? Jesus says, what you're called will not matter. Where you go will not matter. See, religion limits people. Religion confines revelation. It prioritizes titles and names and positions. And God has had enough of us limiting what God can do through us by our reasons of what others call us and, and what we think of ourselves. She could have been limited in this place. Yeah, I've got nothing to give. I'm here and I'm just at the well and I'm trying to evade other people and humanity and society. She had an encounter with Jesus. His prophetic unction called up the true worshiper inside of her. She walks back into her community and all of a sudden she's released from the, the, what she was called. She's released from where she was and she was this new day anointing. There's the worship, true worship is called up inside of her. Cast down these excuses and limited boxes we love to call home. Where you go will not matter. Religion thinks it creates a divide between holy and unholy. It places hoops in front of us that makes worship a limited commodity, a prized space that oh so few can enter. God has broken down the curtain. It's not this place that's removed from society anymore. No, true worship is a place that we step into. You are released into it. So stop trying to put up hoops and think well, we have to sing four songs and then he's gonna come with his presence or think that I can't encounter him at a coffee shop because I, I, you know, I've gotta be right here. Yes, this is good and God's presence is here, but it's not limited to this place. True worshipers are gonna rise up in amongst your hearts and you're gonna go, oh, I can find him in my bedroom. I can find I can find him in my car, I can find him in my workplace, I can find him in the secular things that we thought were unholy. You know what, God has got, there is some music that even though there might not be a full Christian, there's a revelation of God on them and now there'll, there'll be worship flowing through. God's not limited to our understanding of, of what is holy and unholy. He's broken it down and he's releasing it out, but it's whether we are going to step into it or not, or that we're going to be limited in our thought of what worship is, it's that slow song, number three. That's it. No, my friends, God's got more for us. Break free, break free, break free. Let the creativity of God rise within you. God is rising up the true worshipers for this time, for the old to the young, from the seasoned minister to the just entering his kingdom. It's here this morning to call you up, to call out the true worshipers, to break free. The world needs those who can see fully a full revelation of Jesus Christ. She, John constructed his, his book in, in, in chapter four. He actually constructed it with a reason. She comes in, she has a revelation. She goes, oh, he's a Jew. And then a little bit, they have a little bit more conversation. He goes, he's a prophet. They have a little bit more conversation. You're the Messiah. A little bit more conversation. Oh, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you're sir, you're Lord. And it gets to this point where at the end of the, the, the passage, she's now saying, oh, He's the savior of the world. It started here and then I walked all the way over here, this revelation of who Jesus is. And my question for you 
is are you looking? Where does your revelation of Jesus finish? Look, open your eyes wider. I can hear the heartbeat of the Father saying wider, wider. What would happen if you didn't just stop at the revelation of Jesus saved me, but allowed that, that, that saving me to propel you forward into a space of Jesus, I've got to know you more. I've got to find you as the Lord and Savior of the world. There's a corporate shift happening in our church. Yes, Jesus saves me, but it's too small a thought for love. Me is too small a thought for love. Jesus has called us to the we. The, 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 the we is where it, it is at. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He's not just here. Yes, this is good. He saved me and I'm great. But He's calling us and propelling us forward to He's the Savior of the we. He's the Savior of the world. There's a shift from the me to the we. Love is uncontrollably, relentlessly pursuing everything that God's got for Him. And He wants to pour it out in this place through you and I. It's not limited to someone else. He says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to pour out this love that I have for people. Will we step in? Will we break free and allow the true worshiper to rise up within us that has a full revelation of Jesus Christ? True worship is a progressive revelation calling us to move beyond the me to the us. Ah, oh, the lady at the well. She moved beyond what she was called. She moved beyond where she was going. And she stepped into a space of, God, I'm now living for you, the Savior of the world. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let there be a shift inside of you. God is calling the true worshipers forth. God is calling the true worshipers forth. Today is the day. Now is the time. Break free of the religious boxes we've confined worship to. Forget about what others call us. Forget about the insane idea that God has created. Hoops that you have to jump through. God is breaking that down and saying, no, I release it. There's freedom here. There's liberty. Just step in. It's your choice whether you're going to step in or not. But I would implore you. See, God says, neither height nor depth nor anything in this created universe can separate you from my love. And He's calling that on the inside of us that will be. There's no height nor depth nor anything on this created planet that's gonna separate me from demonstrating the love of God to others. Let me say that again. God loves us and He says there's no height nor depth nor anything that, uh, on this created planet that could separate me from, from loving you. And that same love is inside of you. He says, I impart to you the same spirit, the same love inside you. So now we as Christians who've received His love now we stand in a place where His love activates us and says, you know, there's no height nor depth nor anything on this created planet that's gonna separate me from demonstrating the love of God to others. Man, if we would get a hold of it and we would allow it to release in our life, you're gonna see a shift. You're gonna see the creative unction come up within you and it's gonna stir you up, propel you forward. You're gonna be no longer just sitting back going, yes, I, I like my life and it's good. You're gonna be like, God, I gotta, I gotta pour out more. I gotta step into all that you've got for me because life gets too boring when we sit inside a box. It becomes empty because your cup has come underneath, from out from underneath the flow and you've drunk it and then it becomes empty. But if we stay underneath this, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit, this pouring out of love, there's new fresh ideas, new creativity. There's more that He's got for you. You'll never thirst. You'll never thirst. You'll never thirst. My cup will never uh, run dry. It'll be overflowing. As the band comes, that's my message pretty much done. 
But my heart would be that you guys would engage with where God's calling you to step in and lean in. There's a shift away from the, not beyond, beyond's a better word. Yes, He's our Savior. And the Holy Spirit is calling you and calling you and calling you up to move beyond the Savior of me to He's activating me to propel His love into the universe, to, to propel His love into our communities, into your neighborhoods, into your villages.